Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out, visiting us. Today we are continuing our series that we are calling Detox. Let me straighten this out because it's going to bother me. And what we're doing over this series is we're putting a spotlight on kind of the impurities in our lives, if you will. The junk, the behaviors, the attitudes, the mindsets, the relationships. We're going to talk about those next week. Even religious practices that are just toxic and and preventing us from from being our best selves and, and the version of ourselves that God really wants for us. And our goal every single week is to use God's word to kind of help cleanse our lives and start fresh. Last week, if you weren't here, we talked about our toxic thought life. And we learned that the life that we live is often a reflection of the thoughts that we think. That comes straight out of scripture. Our lives actually move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And the problem so many of us face is that Satan actually has tricked us into believing lies, and those lies have become our reality. And so what we did is we walked through the biblical process of detoxing those thoughts. Now, I shared with you that when it comes to my thought life, I actually struggle with hypochondria. It's just kind of a thing that I, that I deal with. And the lie that I often believe is that there is something wrong with me. Well, this week, I actually got a new car, which is exciting. What's not exciting is the license plate they gave me, 45 Dian. Uh, <laughs> this is not a joke. I saw this come on the registration. I go, what is that? What do they know that I don't know? And now I can't get this out of my head. I honestly was wondering, can you go to the DMV and go, you got to change this for me. This is a problem. Okay. Anyway, I'm using the tools we learn. Okay. I'm capturing Satan's lie. Maybe it's not a lie. Maybe I am. I don't know. But I'm replacing it. I'm trying to be positive here. I'm going to make it past 45, hopefully, dear God. So that was last week. That's what I've been dealing with all week. So what I want to do today is kind of shift our focus to a new toxin, one that is insidious, according to Scripture, and, and one that can do absolute massive damage in our lives, and that is bitterness. Now, before we kind of get into this conversation, let me just say this. Today is going to be hard for some people. It's just the very nature of this topic. It's, it's, it's going to open up some wounds that perhaps have been festering in some cases for years. But it is unbelievably important that we have this conversation because bitterness is a toxin that will not only poison the people around you, but according to scripture, it's not dealt with, will poison you as well. Author of Hebrews, and we don't know who wrote this, but the author of Hebrews said this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And last series, if you're with us, we learned that Peter said that we are to be holy in everything we do. You know, be holy as God is holy. Now watch what this author says next. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and, and defile many. See to it that no bitter root grows up, consumes your heart, takes over and negatively impacts, or as he says, defiles other people. Because that's exactly what bitterness does, doesn't it? Let's unpack this because there's a couple of truths here that I think are important to learn. First thing we learn about bitterness is that it does in fact have a dangerous root. How does that root start? How does it grow? It grows, I'm going to argue, from a hurt that has not been properly dealt with. It grows from a wounded heart, from an injury, from, from an offense. For example, somebody betrays you, okay? And instead of handling it scripturally, you absorb that hurt because that is what roots do. So for comparison, Paul tells us that love keeps no records of wrong. 
And so if somebody hurts you and you love them or you just want to be loving, you forgive them. You let it go, right? You show grace, you show mercy, you show compassion, you show forgiveness. Love keeps no records of wrong. But bitterness is like an archive, okay? It's like a vault. Bitterness keeps detailed records of wrongs, copious notes of all the things that other folks have done to you. You did this to me, you did that, I'm never going to forget it. You kind of play it over and over in your mind. Randomly, you think, I should have said this, I should have said that. If I ever see that person again, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Those are bitter roots, and they grow deep, and they absorb the hurt, and they just store it, hold on to it. Second thing we see is that bitterness produces a poisonous fruit. From that root grows hatred, anger, rage, and something that just poisons relationships. I like the way the New Living Translation says like this. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. That's interesting. You ever notice the far-reaching effects of bitterness? For example, you could be working in an office and you got one bitter coworker and it just changes the whole environment. They just walk into the room and the whole vibe is just off. Same is true with family. You can have one bitter family member who can just destroy Thanksgiving. I mean, honestly, maybe you're, you're, you're dreading next week because you know, what's, you know what's coming. You can have a great group of kids. You introduce one bitter, kind of angry, bellish child, and it changes the whole dynamic and direction of that group. Bitterness is a very poisonous fruit. So let's talk about bitter people just for a second. I want to give you a handful of qualities that you tend to see in bitter folks. And, and maybe you'll see yourselves in these. Hopefully not, but, but maybe you will. First thing we see is that bitter people tend to justify their bitterness. They defend it. You ever notice this? I, they think, well, after what that person has done to me, I deserve to be angry. I have the right to be angry, right? I am justified in my rage and in my hateful thoughts. In other words, since we are victim, we think we have the right to be angry and bitter. Second thing we tend to see with bitter folks is that they're overly critical. If you're bitter towards somebody else, you're never going to look at that person objectively again. You're going to pick apart everything they do, right? They walk into a room and it's like, who do they think they are? Wearing that, acting like that. You know where you see a lot of bitter men? The gym, okay? Ladies, I don't know if you're aware of this phenomenon, but anytime a guy sees another guy that's more muscular, our first thought is steroids. It's a <laughs> steroid. <laughs> Guys on steroids. I mean, there's no way he did like he's working out and like actually doing something. It's steroids. We're all just bitter. Third quality we see. Bitter people tend to secretly, and sometimes not secretly, celebrate the misfortune of others. Like that one family with the big house and the nice cars, they have that financial setback and you're happy about it. Or that one student in your kid's class, you know, the one on honor roll who just got a full ride to Princeton, gets busted for smoking doobies in a van down by the river and you're happy about it. You know what I celebrate? I don't even know this is bitterness, but I definitely love when this happens. When someone passes me on Alligator Alley doing like 200 and then 10 minutes later, the cops get him. I just love that. I'm just not only gets bitterness, but it's definitely like justice. I just <laughs> fourth quality we see. Bitter people tend to write off entire groups. Talking about this earlier today. They get hurt by one person and they just write off that whole group. 
One of the best examples that I could think of, and, and ladies, it's your turn since I picked on the guys already. I hear a lot of ladies whose marriages ended, you know, not so great, or maybe they're just struggling in the dating pool. They'll say things like, you know, I hate all men. All men are bad, right? You can't trust them. They're dogs. I, 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 I hate to hear this because I know in their heart of hearts, they don't really think this, but that's hurt talking. When people get hurt, they tend to write off entire groups of people. You know where I actually experience this a lot? When it comes to my job. So whenever I'm out and about, like, you know, at an event or a party or whatever, just like in the world, and somebody asks me, hey, what do you do for a living? I start to sweat right? because I have one of two choices as to how I can answer this question. I can A, say I'm a pastor, or B, say I work at a church. Now, both of these are true, but only one of these answers generally garners a negative reaction. See, if you can guess which one it is. I'm a pastor. Because a lot of people, and maybe you're one of them, have had a bad experience with a pastor. You may have been hurt by one. Maybe you've been judged by one, right? You, you, you read the headlines about pastors having affairs or whatever, you know, embezzling money, and, you, and you, it's like, you think we're lame, you think we're boring, you think we're legalistic, or whatever, and so you write off completely all pastors, which is why 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I tell folks that I work at a church. And then inevitably they go, well, what do you do there? And I go, well, I'm the pastor. <clears throat> Nailed me. But, you know, I bought a little bit of time. People who have been hurt by the church write off pastors. In fact, they write off all Christians. And I'm sure you've been on the receiving end of that at some point. You know where else I see this happening a lot when it comes to politics? Republicans write off all Democrats. Democrats write off all Republicans. We size them up. We write off huge groups of people without even knowing them personally. They're just a bunch of this. They're just a bunch of that. People will just write off entire groups of people. Lastly, bitter people struggle to see their own bitterness. It's as though we're blinded to our own bitterness. Like take, for example, this message. This is a classic example. You'll hear this message and you go, oh, I wish my sister were here. She needs to hear this. I wish my mother-in-law were here. How do I get this message into their hands, right? Meanwhile, the person sitting next to you is looking at you going, I'm listening to this message, right? We, we can't see bitterness in the, in, in the mirror. We don't see it. So with that in mind, for the next few minutes, I want us to do a little bit of self-inventory. Answer me this, if you can. With whom or what are you bitter? Now, maybe you don't want to use the word bitter. Fine, right? Maybe you're just irritated. That works for me, okay? Is there somebody in your life that you might say, yeah, there's a little root of bitterness going on there? Maybe it's just starting to grow and, and maybe God's pointing it out to you. Maybe it's somebody at work. They got that promotion that you wanted and now you can't stand them. Maybe it's more serious. Maybe there's somebody spreading rumors about you. Lies. You know where I see this a lot? Marriages. You know, one spouse did something in the past, and yeah, I mean, it was bad. It was not good. It was horrible, okay? But the wounded spouse just can't or won't let it go. And what is so fascinating is that it is the bitterness, not the original offense, that is just poisoning the, the marriage and, and hurting the kids. The original offense is gone. It's over. It's in the past. But the lingering bitterness is just reeking 
havoc. You also see this a lot with divorces. Now, generally speaking, in a divorce, both parties have some fault. I know, okay. But it is so common for one spouse to just hate the ex. So much so that I've met folks where hating the ex is now like their personality. It, it is what they do, okay? It is who they are. It, it just has taken over their life. I also know a lot of folks who are sadly bitter towards God. You know, it's, it's you know, God, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I asked you to do this and, and you didn't do it. You didn't come through for me. If you had only stepped in. You see this in scripture. Jesus had a close family friend named Mary. She asked Jesus to come and, and heal her brother Lazarus and Jesus didn't show up. Lazarus died. Four days later, he finally shows up. Mary thinks he had failed her. He, she's bitter. She's angry with him. What about you? With whom or what are you bitter? I really want you to acknowledge this. Don't just brush this away. It's so important because the longer you allow this root to grow, the more dangerous it becomes and the harder it is to kill, which raises a great question. How do you kill the root of bitterness? I mean, if we're talking about detoxing our systems, how do you detox it? How do you get rid of bitterness? The answer is simple. The application is not. You kill bitterness with forgiveness. This is the only answer. It's the only way to do it. And yet when I say this, I know that there are some of you here today or watching online who have been wounded so deeply that you can't even think about this. I mean, for me to even suggest it is painful to you. Let me show you what Paul recommends. Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness. Not some of it. Not most of it. Get rid of all of it. Why? What does bitterness lead to? Well, it leads to rage. Get rid of that too. But don't stop there. Get rid of anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Get rid of all of it. There is no room for any of it in your life. Instead, here's the advice he gives. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. How do you kill the root of bitterness? How do you successfully prevent it from, from taking root and taking over your life? You kill it with forgiveness. It's a simple answer, but the application is difficult. So difficult, in fact, that many of us don't even want to consider it. So let's talk about that, okay? Because there are some of you that have been so hurt, maybe you've been betrayed, perhaps abandoned, maybe even abused, and you're thinking, John, I don't, I don't want to forgive. Because in our mind, forgiveness feels like we're excusing the bad behavior, doesn't it? So let's stop and talk about what forgiveness is not, okay? Number one, forgiveness is not forgetting. Scripture is very clear that once God forgives you through Jesus, he never thinks about your sins again. In some divine way, he wipes his memory and he forgets all of it and he only sees you through the lens of Jesus. We, however, are not God. We are human, which means we have memories. We have scar tissues. So for us, forgiveness doesn't mean that we forget that hurt. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have any recollection. You will remember what they did to you. Forgetting is not forgiveness. Additionally, forgiveness is not pretending 
that it, it didn't happen, because that's kind of what it feels like. Forgiveness doesn't mean we just sweep it under the rug. It, it's not saying that what that person did wasn't wrong or wasn't sinful. It was. Forgiveness isn't pretending. Let me tell you what else forgiveness is not. It's definitely not fair. There's nothing fair about forgiveness, okay? Fair is paying that person back. Fair is an eye for an eye. Fair says, you hurt me, I'm coming for you. I want my pound of flesh. I I'm going to hold on to this forever. So forgiveness isn't forgetting, okay? It's not pretending. It's certainly not fair. So what is forgiveness? According to Scripture, forgiveness is giving others what God gave you. Now let me talk to the Christians in the room for a second. Christians, has God forgiven you of anything? Have you ever experienced grace that you didn't deserve? Have you ever been the beneficiary of the mercy and the goodness of God? Forgiveness, then, is giving to others the very same thing that God gave to you. Look again at what Peter said. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as, in the manner of, just as, in Christ, God forgave you. In other words, Paul is saying, that other person, they don't deserve your forgiveness. That's the point. Because we didn't deserve God's forgiveness either. And the mistake that we often make in our hurt is that we think forgiveness is for the other person. It's not. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness prevents that person's actions from destroying your heart. Forgiveness kills that root, prevents it from going. And here's the truth, okay? If you do not forgive, you will allow that person to continue to hurt you. You will drag that hurt into your future, into future relationships, and I get it. Holding on to bitterness feels like a weapon, right? Makes you feel safe at some level. It's almost like a defense. But let me just ask it this way. How long do you plan to allow those who mistreated you to influence you? Because I'm going to guess that in a lot of your situations, they're gone. They're living their life. They might not even be thinking about you. And yet that hurt and that bitterness that you're holding on to is killing you. It's influencing your life. It's influencing and impacting your relationships with yourself, other people, maybe even God. Paul says, you got to let it go. You got to get rid of all bitterness, anger, and rage. But that is easier said than done. Now, here's what I know and here's what I believe. For some of you here today, I do believe that God is going to touch you in a special way. And I firmly believe that God will give you the ability to just choose to forgive. Just a supernatural touch whereby the power of the Holy Spirit, you say, all right, enough's enough. Enough's enough. I've, I've held on to this for too long. God wanted me to put this down years ago. I'm ready to let it go. But for others of you, forgiveness will be a process. And honestly, it, it might start off as, as faking it till you make it. And, and it's, I know the scripture says I need to forgive. I acknowledge that. Even though I don't want to do it, so God, help me to get there. God can work with that. 
and there's going to be ups, and there's going to be downs. Some weeks you're going to be forgiving, and the next week you're going to feel like a fraud because you're bitter all over again. It's a process. But if you continue to bring God into it, he will help clean out all of that junk. If we're going to conquer this bitter root, every single one of us needs deep spiritual cleansing. We've got to be willing to let God in and let him go deep. Lord, please, do what I cannot do for myself. Okay? Because I don't even want to forgive but I know I have to. Or Lord, I want to forgive, but I don't even know where to start. With whom or what are you bitter? Because you got a choice. You can keep drinking that poison or you can put it down. And you could say, Lord, cleanse me. Heal me. Because I'm not going to let that other person hurt me anymore. I want to be changed. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? Every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. Now, like I said at the top of the message, okay, this challenge from Paul to forgive in order to remove bitterness is a tough pill to swallow. And if you've been hurt, I mean like really hurt, it is far easier to just dismiss this than to embrace it, okay? And I get it. I really do. And, and I hurt with you. But I really want to help you release this pain. So I want to share a hard story with you. Okay? A dear friend of mine suffered at the hands of another. It, it, was, it was sexual in nature. And I asked this person, I said, how, how did you make it through it? How are you, how are you making it through it now? How did, how did this all work for you? And here's what she told me, and I asked her if I could share it with you. She said, John, I would say personally... I had a really hard time forgiving. And I felt really bad for not being able to forgive. But then I felt really crazy that people were expecting me to forgive him. This is an incredible look into a hurting heart. Your emotions are everywhere. She said, after being in a Bible study and hearing other women's stories, I realized that forgiveness was a process. This is exactly what we talked about today. It's a process. It doesn't necessarily happen overnight. She says, so... There was a point where I did forgive him. And then the next week, I felt like I was lying to everybody because everything just came back. But, and what she says next is so profound, shows such spiritual wisdom. But, she says, the Lord was just showing me that there was still bitterness towards different parts of what happened. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. God was still working in her heart. He was not going to let go of her until she released every bit of it. Now watch what God shows her about forgiveness. This is incredible. She says, forgiveness comes from accepting that we're all sinful beings. Yet the Lord loved every single one of us enough to die for us. Forgiveness, she says, isn't for the other person. It's for you. Forgiveness isn't letting go of what happened to you, nor is it forgetting, but it's accepting that you made it through that horrible trial and you're not giving up. Folks, I don't know what you've gone through, but if my friend were here today, I know she would hug you, she would tell you God loves you, and then she would encourage you to do what she has done. Embrace forgiveness. Because whether you've been hurt by something petty at work, or you've been a victim of sexual abuse, holding on to that hurt, allowing that bitterness to take root 
and to take over your life will ultimately destroy you. So would you allow God to work in your life, to heal you of that bitterness, and to help you through that hurt? Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that we have the opportunity to come together today and just talk about an issue that impacts every single one of us, but some of us so much more than others. Sometimes in profound ways, God. Some of us have been so hurt, Lord. But God, you know what our heart needs. And I pray that today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help us. You would help us to choose forgiveness, to choose to let us go, God. And if we could do it ourselves, we would, but we can't. God, we need your help. We need your strength. Heal our hearts, Jesus. Help us to be set free from our past, from our hurts, from our struggles, God. And I pray, Lord, that through that process, we can give you all the glory. We ask all this in Jesus' mighty, powerful, and healing name.